This is Dr. Kate Eckert with the Form, Function, and Flow Lab podcast. I'm a chiropractor, yoga instructor, anatomy junkie, and movement educator. And I am looking forward to exposing you to all sorts of ways that you can prehab your body to avoid injury and maintain those hobbies, activities, sports that you love to do. And we'll also be focusing a lot on the pregnant and postpartum journey and making sure that you can return to those activities that you love or even keep doing them while you're pregnant. Hi, this is Dr. Kate Eckert, and I wanted to do an intro to breathing for one of the podcast episodes because it's something that I do with every single patient that comes in the office. And I started to do that after I was exposed to DNS or dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. And that is a technique that we draw from for stuff that we do with patients in the office. And they do a lot with the developmental movement patterns um, as, you know, babies go through and how that helps them to integrate their core and move properly. And we kind of take draw from that and give people exercises. But another big key component is being able to create the proper intra-abdominal pressure in your core to be able to do these movements. And the way we start with that is by breathing. And if you, you know, look at an infant, you can see how they go from simply just breathing over and over and over again. And if you look at a baby, you can see that their whole little rib cage moves in and out. So they are doing that diaphragmatic breathing naturally on their own because they don't have any bad patterns stored up that they have to work around. And that is the other component to what DNS focuses on is that proper breathing. And, you know, there are a few things that I ask people when they come in just to get a sense of um, what type of breathing they do. And one thing that I like to ask people just right off the bat is do you breathe through your mouth? And a lot of people have, you know, become mouth breathers. And there's a whole variety of reasons why you don't want to be a mouth breather. Um, you know, think of it as your mouth was made for eating and your nose is made for breathing. Your nose helps with engaging your diaphragm a little bit more, but it also helps to act as this natural filter for the air, which is important as well. And one thing I noticed as, you know, the pandemic was coming about was that for me, just that light pressure of the mask on my nose made me tend to be more of a mouth breather. So I would end up with a dry mouth, um, you know, felt a little bit more anxious, those kind of things. Um, so it's definitely something that I ask everyone, especially since I know myself have, I've struggled with being a nose breather with, with all the mask wearing that we've been doing. So that's step one. That's something that's super easy to just be aware of throughout your day and try to consciously think to yourself, let's be a nose breather. Um, it's a little more difficult when you're sleeping, of course. And, you know, I'm sure if you, you know, have uh, sleep apnea issues and that kind of thing, your breathing is altered while you're sleeping, but we can always change what we're aware of. So starting with the daytime breathing is, 
you know, important. Um, then another component that I looked for with patients and breathing is stress. And when we're sitting at a desk or stressed or that kind of thing, and we're kind of rounded in onto ourselves and we're maybe over breathing and doing these short, shallow breaths, these front muscles in the neck start to be these accessory breathing muscles. So instead of the rib cage expanding 360 degrees all the way out and around and allowing that diaphragm to drop down and flatten out and expand the rib cage, we're uh, relying on those little muscles in the neck to draw our top ribs up and allow the, the lungs to inflate that way. So not very effective and not going to oxygenate you to your fullest. And it's going to leave you with a lot of neck issues as well. So if somebody has um, really tight musculature in the front of the neck, I'll ask them about their stress level, if they're doing those short, shallow breaths, or to be aware of it throughout the day, because that could be contributing to their neck pain. And another component of, of those short, shallow breaths that is going to lead to something not happening is usually when you're doing that, your diaphragm is not engaging fully. One thing that happens with your diaphragm not fully flattening and coming back up and flattening and coming back up is that you aren't getting the stimulation of your vagus nerve. So the vagus nerves run through the diaphragm and as the diaphragm flattens and relaxes and contracts and relaxes, then we're, um, that's how it gets stimulated by that type of breathing. So if you're doing the short, shallow, stressed out breathing, you're not having that stimulation. And the important thing there is that when your vagus nerve is stimulated, then we can kind of switch from fight or flight mode to rest and restore mode. So that if you've ever heard of the sympathetic nervous system or the parasympathetic nervous system, sympathetic is fight or flight. Parasympathetic, we're switching over to that rest and restore land that is very helpful for healing things and um, being able to, to rest and rejuvenate yourself. So if your diaphragm's not working, vagus nerve is not getting the stimulation at that level. Another issue with the diaphragm not fully contracting and relaxing is that when the diaphragm contracts and it flattens, it's going to push down your abdominal content. So it's shifting all of the organs down and then back up. So it's almost like this pumping action that helps to um, get better mobility of the abdominal organs, which is super important in better blood flow. And blood flow is what keeps them healthy. And uh, the other thing with that pumping action is that it pumps and keeps the lymph fluid that's stored in your abdomen really um, fluid and mobile. So a stagnant lymph system especially in your abdomen is going to lead to inflammation because stagnant lymph will give you an inflammation. So think of your organs and abdominal contents as fish and think of the lymph fluid as um, your water in your tank. If your 
water in your fish tank is dirty, the fish don't thrive, your organs don't thrive. So you want to keep that moving throughout the body and it will help with other lymph issues all the way throughout your body. So we're talking, you know, um, swelling in the, in the extremities or your arms or legs, that kind of thing. Stagnant lymph is, is tied to a lot of different disease processes too. So with that diaphragm not working, we're not stimulating the vagus nerves. That's that rest or restore aspect. We're not moving around the abdominal contents. That gives us the lack of blood flow, not great for your organs. And that gives us the lack of lymph flow, which gives you inflammation. So also important. The third thing would be is I want you to think of your diaphragm as the lid to your core. So if that's the lid to your core, then the pelvic floor is the base to the core. And they kind of talk to each other. So as one moves down, the other accepts pressure and vice versa. So they're moving in concert with one another. And if you aren't able to um, use your diaphragm properly, you're not going to be able to um, build the right intra-abdominal pressure to do any type of activity. So intra-abdominal pressure is if you're tensing up and building pressure, bearing down those kind of things, that's the uh, building of intra-abdominal pressure. And, um, you know, we see it show up in all sorts of things. So it'll be an improper balance of intra-abdominal pressure could show up as a herniated disc or a hernia in other places of the core, umbilical, hiatal, inguinal, um, those kind of things. Because um, a it's a pressure problem. So think of it as like a pressure cooker and the, the pressure has to go somewhere. So that can lead to those things. So if somebody comes in and they're like, oh, I had an inguinal hernia, you know, however long ago, that to me says they had some type of intra-abdominal pressure problem at some point that probably needs addressed if it hasn't been addressed at all already. And it makes you susceptible to other pressure problems. And the first place we start to learn how to integrate that in proper intra-abdominal pressure again is by learning how to breathe properly. And with the diaphragm having a few things running through it, you you know you have this dome and it's not just a complete dome without any openings. We also we have the esophagus running through it. We've got the I mean the vagus nerves run through it, but the openings would be the esophagus, the vena cava and the aorta. So those three openings. So you could have some, dysfunction at any one of those openings giving you, you know, poor circulation um, or, you know, acid reflux, those kind of things. So if you have any of those kind of issues, you really want to address how your diaphragm functions because that could be, you know, where the problem originated. Um, and, and really, even if you have a shoulder issue, I'm going to want to still start with your breathing when you come in, because if your core isn't feeling safe and stable and, 
your brain's not connecting with it, it's going to feel threatened. Your brain's going to feel threatened and it's going to start putting parking brakes on different parts of your body. So it might not seem like your shoulder is connected to your breath or your core, but it, it truly is. And there's all other sorts of, you know, fascial connections that connect your abdomen and your core with some muscles that go up into the shoulder, down into the hip, all those kind of things. But that will definitely be for another podcast. But so that's why when we come, when you come into the office, or if you take one of my online courses, we always, always address breathing. And I don't want you to think that there is one style of breathing that is the only thing that I want you to do. Um, The brain loves novelty. So I always give people a lot of different tools in their toolbox because I want you to try a bunch of different styles. And, um, you know, depending on what's going on with you, one might be better than the other for that particular day, but you still want the variety. You know, I, I want you to think of it as learning how to create mobility and a suppleness to your rib cage so that you get that nice expansion because that's going to translate up into how your upper back moves, how your shoulders move, that kind of thing. But it's also going to be with how well you manage that pressure. And, um, you know, I like to prep people for their breathing with different fascial releases with the gorgeous ball or the Pilates ball that we use because, You want to prep your system, especially if you've been really stagnant and not mobile. Your rib cage is not going to want to be super mobile for you. You have to kind of prime it and and talk to the brain and and give it this, this input to give it that ability to to move uh, easily and that kind of thing. So There's lots of different release work we do before to prep you for the breathing. And then you can do the breathing seated at your desk. You could do it lying down. You could do it bent over so that you're trying to reach that that back access, the back part of your rib cage, which tends to get stagnant, or out to the sides, which tend to get stagnant. So there's lots of different ways we can, can address that. Um, I'd love to get into a few different, you know, breathing techniques. Uh, I've been trying to find a Wim Hof provider to interview. Um, that's a, a breathing technique that I don't know much about. And lots of people have had great results with that. Um, but, and from my yoga background, you know, when you're doing, vinyasa or ashtanga it's at least the courses that i've taken or you know the teacher trainings that i've taken it's very breath-based and they want you to what they call it ujjayi breathing and you're inhaling through the nose and exhaling through the nose which is you know often what i give people in the office um I don't have anything against with exhaling through the mouth, but when you're in yoga, you typically inhale and exhale through the nose and link those two to each posture. And another factor of what we do in the office is, you know, getting comfortable with lengthening that exhale because that also helps to stimulate your vagus nerve a little bit more and getting comfortable with, 
you know, being still and calm at the full, full exhalation and holding at the, at the end of that exhalation a little bit. Um, but if anyone has any questions on the breathing techniques that we use in the office or the why behind it, feel free to reach out to me. We can do an, a follow-up episode, but I was something that's, I loved finding a rehab technique that really encompassed breath work because I found so much relief from yoga and Ujjayi breathing. And that what, even when I physiologically didn't really know the connection behind it. So it was just seems like the perfect seamless fit from my yoga background and my chiropractic background, um, to kind of bring together. So let me know if you have any questions. I look forward to working with you guys. And if you have any topics that you'd like discussed, make sure to comment below and let me know because I'd be happy to share all the knowledge that I have on those issues.